Hello and welcome to Happy Place. Today, coming to you from the Google Pixel 3 Curiosity Rooms in central London. I'm Fern Cotton and in this special live edition of the podcast, I'll be talking to the fabulous Melanie C. I think your 20s are quite tricky, aren't they? I wasn't quite sure who I was or who I wanted to be or who people thought I should be. And then throw yourself into, you know, the media spotlight and that just magnifies everything. Support this week comes from the Google Pixel 3. To celebrate the launch of the Google Pixel 3, Google has opened the doors to the Curiosity Rooms, an unforgettable experience in central London, running until the 16th of December. Google are encouraging visitors to unlock their curiosity and make their everyday more extraordinary with a series of free workshops, talks, podcasts and more. Google have teamed up with local London businesses and coffee shops to provide them with pop-up space, plus there are heaps of fun experiences to fuel your imagination. My personal favourite is the Google Lens Laundrette, which Melanie and I visited, where you can see the impressive Google Lens technology, search what you see and then buy your favourite fashion items. So a massive thank you to Google and their new Pixel 3 smartphone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right, I'm due on stage. Melanie, I'm coming for you. Oh, thank you for coming along to this. This is very, very lovely. Thank you if any of you already enjoy Happy Place. That is excellent news. Tonight's going to be really, really lovely. Google very kindly said, who would you like to interview? And Melanie was top of my list, and thankfully she said yes, so let's get her out here now. It's Melanie C. excited hearing the Spice Girls and you're there freaking me out well done for noticing the step there I didn't see that and had to kind of mountaineer up the side of the stage I know I nearly did and then I just spotted it at the the 11th hour well done thank you so much for being here I have my nerdy notebook that I carry everywhere with many things but I imagine we're going to go off on lots of tangents there's lots of reasons as to why I wanted you to be on the podcast And one of them was because you're going to be very busy next year. Yes, very excited. Recently, we announced that four of us Spices are going to be out on the road next year. Oh, I am buzzing. I know, we finally got it together. It's taken a while, but we're there. I literally can't wait. And I want to talk to you more about that later on and also try and blag a ticket off you. Um... 
But I, I read an interview with you recently where you said when the Spice Girls split and you went off and did your own thing, you really felt like you needed to have a departure from Sporty Spice and you were desperately trying to get away from it. But now you're really sort of embracing her again. So do you feel sort of ready to step into those shoes and the, the tracky bums? Well, it's been an, an interesting relationship that I've had with myself generally and myself within the Spice Girls growing up, you know, like everybody figuring out who you are. And when we first got together as a band, it was 94, so I was 20. And I think your 20s are quite tricky, aren't they? Because yeah. you kind of... You know, I felt it was a time where I wasn't quite sure who I was or who I wanted to be or who people thought I should be. And then throw yourself into, you know, the media spotlight... And that just magnifies everything. And it was, a, it was a really tricky few years within doing your absolute fantasy. You know, growing up as a child, all I ever wanted to do was perform. And here I was in the biggest band in the world at yeah. the time. So it was quite a confusing time. And when I went out and I did my first solo record, I, I did. I, I really felt like I wanted to be seen as an individual. I kind of almost wanted to rebel against everything and all the ideas that people had put on me. You know, I think that's the thing, and you'll identify with this. There's this persona that we're given mm. in the public eye, and I've read about myself so many times and just thought, who's that? That's not right. Yeah. That's not me. Say that. I don't do that. And it, you, they, they called me lots of things. They've called us all lots of things. But one of the things that came across a lot was that I was, you know, I was a bit of a tomboy, but it was almost like I was a bit mouthy, a bit mm. gobby. And I'm not. I mean, anyone who knows me would know I'm actually quite softly spoken and I'm yeah. quite laid back. And so I think it's confusing when you're not quite sure who you are anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, your 20s are a difficult time, aren't they? You know, I grew up, loving the Spice Girls and you know like so many people here I'm sure all of you that's why you're here and there was that instant connection for me being a teenager I was like yeah I want in I want to be one of them that's that's for me at what point did you all realize that you'd made that connection that people were sort of getting it because you don't know when you step into it it could be huge it could be nothing but for some reason you guys captured that energy and people just connected with what you were doing do you know I think what happened was it was genuine and it wasn't what we intended to do. Our intentions were to be a pop group, to get up on stage, to sing, to sign autographs, to travel the world, to do all of these exciting things. But quite quickly, when we you know, started trying to get into the music industry, we were faced with certain things, some sexism you know, and some difficulties. And we kind of felt like... It feels like we've got a bit of a point to prove here. Mm. And our original management, you know, it, it was pretty rudderless in, in our direction as a band. And, you know, we tried all these different guises of dressing the same and we all did a little baby doll look and we all did a little bit of an Adidas look. And someone always looked a bit stupid. Mm. And we eventually decided, you know, because we'd rock up to rehearsals and I'd be Mishraki and Victoria would have something a bit more posh on. And we were like, why don't we just, just wear what we wear? Because we were and are so very different. 
And it just became a thing. And it's amazing because I, I think there's so many preconceptions about the Spice Girls. One of them being it was manufactured. And actually, you know what? It really wasn't. It was quite accidental. You know, we weren't these like, you know, we had this ingenious idea. We just kind of reacted to the different things that were going on around us and ended up, you know, like you say, just capturing people's imaginations. And I think the individuality, which was something that just really struck a chord with people. I think you have to be quite confident at that age to kind of make that decision. Like you say, you were faced with sexism and and people, you know, treating you a certain way, perhaps because women were the anomaly or certainly girl bands at that point. There weren't any as far as I knew or certainly ones that I I wasn't connecting with any of them. So you had to all be very united but also very confident in, no, we don't want to do the baby doll dresses, thank you. We're going to do this. Did that come naturally or were you all quite nervous taking that step? I think the thing which is so fantastic about being in a band or, you know, even with a group of friends, it's that support, isn't yeah. it? Because I think you are so much more courageous when you have somebody standing by you. You know, I know when I'm in the in the room with the Spice Girls, I'm much naughtier than I would be when I'm on my own. You know, so we, we had all of these ideas, but we were so very single-minded in what we wanted to achieve so we just felt really powerful. Mm, but that came across because that's what we were all clicking into. I mean, very quickly, it just completely snowballed into this monster, this, you know, the, the world's biggest band that everyone was talking about. And you had these huge stage shows and a, a movie. Did it feel like you were in the biggest band in the world? Or was it just such a bizarre, insular experience to go through that you couldn't really you know, understand the magnitude of it being inside it? A little bit of both. Mm. It was very much being in a bubble. When you are, you know, if you're lucky enough to have that amount of success, you are incredibly busy. The only way you become that successful is by working very, very hard. And we would be, you know, in one continent one day, somewhere else the next. And the expression I use when I talk about my time after we did the big tour and the movie and it kind of all started to quieten down a bit is a feeling of having to integrate back into society because you're not in it. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're completely separate. You're protected, you have security, you travel on, you know, private jets and, oh, it's awful, Sounds it's terrible. Yeah. No, it was the most incredible thing. And it was. It was my childhood dream. It was mm. all I'd ever wished for. And wow, you know, who knew that it would come true? So it's, um, you know, and that's interesting in itself because you're, you're having this experience, which is everything you ever wanted. But there are downsides. Mm. And, but along with that, you feel guilty. Because you think, how dare, how dare I? You know, I'm... I'm on top of the pops, I'm in California, I'm, I'm doing all of these incredible things, I'm playing Wembley Stadium, doing that again next year. And, <laughs> yeah, and you're doing all these amazing things, so any like, bad feelings you have, you think, oh no, I, I shouldn't be having these bad feelings. Mm. So that you know, causes a little bit of a you know, disturbance as well. Growing up having that dream, and obviously you're a very focused person because you made it happen... Did it feel as you expected, or was it kind of vastly different to that dream you were trying to manifest as a kid? I think it kind of, in some ways, it was more than I could have ever imagined in an incredible way. And I think the thing when you're a child and you fantasise about things, you think of all the really exciting 
and wonderful things that come with it and you don't think about the negatives because mm. who does you know we dream about winning the lottery don't we we think about oh, all the things we buy and all the family and friends we want to treat and all those things but everything has negatives and i think that's the thing which is quite difficult to come to terms with Let's talk about the good bits first then. Once you started to really get going and the success was just huge, what were the most magical moments? Or were there any sort of real pinch-me moments where you thought, I cannot believe this is happening to me right now, stood here? There are so many. And what's really fun, actually, and I'm so excited, obviously, us girls were really excited to get back on stage and to be playing again but actually to just be hanging out together because we have this thing where, you know, like all friends, you just start to reminisce. And we all remember different things. And it's just so funny because, you know, Emma will talk about a situation. I'll be like, I've completely forgotten that that happened. And we always talk about the, the silly things like being in the back of a car or someone puking in a loo before we went nice. on stage. or You know, just the things that the public didn't see. Yeah, and the yeah. kind of, the real magical moments. And I think the Olympics, I always, people who have heard me do interviews know I always I harp on about the Olympics. But I'm Sporty Spice, what do you expect? You're allowed to. No. It's a big deal. It is. When we did the Olympics in 2012, there was something we'd never had before, and that was social media. Mm. Even when we, we got together in 2007, and I, I don't know, was anyone on Twitter then? I know I wasn't. No. I think it was quite fledgling or, you know, just starting out. So 2012, and everyone's on Twitter, and we were backstage at the Olympic Park, and we were able to see all of these tweets. You know, internationally, everyone was getting so excited. And, you know, we'd never had that before. And we kind of, we have these moments when it all gets a little bit overwhelming. We'll just kind of get together in a little huddle. And we always giggle because we're like, we fooled him. We fooled him. (laughs) Because we are. And I think one of the charming things, I like to think, one of the charming things about the Spice Girls is we're just dead normal. You know, okay, some of them have gone a bit weird. But <laughs> no, at the end of the day, no one's changed. Yeah. No one's changed that much. There's these appearances or these like these media personas that, that people have. But we are just pretty normal girls. And also when you get together, you have to be because you all know each other so well. If yeah. one of you was to start to act differently, you'd be like, Hey up, what are you doing? Well that was brilliant as well because we're each other's police. Yeah. So like back in the day, you know, when you start getting some success and you know someone could just go off and mm. it'd be like, whoa, 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 come You're back. back. Come yeah. back here. Well that's easily done. And we've seen that road trodden by loads of people they do go off the rails whatever but none of you did you kind of all you you know everyone has ups and downs but you all kind of I guess the friendship sort of solidified that and helped you guys get through it in one piece do you know what else I think Uh, I mean you know don't get me wrong we've all dealt with you know certain situations in our life and the experience we had together differently you know we've all had our ups and downs it's natural but the other thing we had is our families were really close yeah. as well. They kind of really shared the experience. They'd be on tour with us, like our mums, our siblings. And now, of course, you know, we're all very lucky to have wonderful children. And so the family part of it has always been very important. And I think it's that thing again, isn't it? It's the people who really know you. So there's, okay, there's always yes people around. Thank goodness. But, you know, your mum's not going to tell you you look great when you look rubbish. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, my mum certainly will be the first to point those things out. Um, Let's talk about the pressures then, because, you know, there are all the the amazing moments and going on private jets and playing Wembley Stadium, but the pressure is immense. You've not only 
got loads of people that have paid money to come and see you play, for instance, but you've also got just the world looking at you, talking about you, judging you, assessing you, discussing you with other people. And you know that, especially now with social media. Back in the day, maybe you know, a slightly diluted version of that, but you're still aware of it. How did you deal with that mentally? I think the hardest thing when everything started taking off was hearing other people's opinion of you. So obviously, you know, you're right, kind of everybody has that now Mm. with social media. Um, There's nowhere to hide. But then it was, you know, really it was the tabloids. And, you know, people are criticising, you know, whether it was the way you look or your voice or the way you dress or, you know, whatever it may be. And I think, you know... In the olden days, in normal life, you didn't really know what people thought of you. No. Because they just said it behind your back. Mm. You know, they just tweet it now, so we all know. But, yeah. you know, I, I think that's, that's it's quite weird. And I think when you're in your 20s and you, you are quite insecure, it, that was hard. That was hard to know what people thought of me, especially when it wasn't positive. Mm. You know, it's lovely to have compliments, but... You know, I think as you get older as well, you realise you can't please everybody. You know, I don't like everybody, so I can't expect everyone to like me. Mm, it's a hard one, though, isn't it? Because I'm quite a sensitive... Well, I'm a very sensitive person, I think, naturally. But I work in an industry which isn't at all, because, you know, you are up for speculation and people can judge you or say what they like. And there's no policing of that. There's no governing of that. You have to just think, whatever. But I, I do find that difficult sometimes... You know, if people don't like what I'm wearing or how I have my hair, whatever. But it's when I think there are untruths that people are batting about, whatever. And you think, no, 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 that's not me. And you really want to be authentic and be yourself. And that one is a hard one to tackle. And, I th- you know, it's not just for people in the public eye, whatever. I think for anyone in life, it is hard when people have built up what they believe you're about or, or they've, you know mistakenly taken something you said and and used it against you. It's a really hard place to be. Yeah, I I think what I've learned as I've got older, because you you can't control what people think about you. No. So, you know, you can be in a conversation with a person and there's, there's two sides to everything. You know, it, it's very difficult to always have the same, you know, you can't have the same point of view as somebody else. And so you have to let that go, you know. And, it, you know, it was really hard when I was young reading things that people had said. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about social media and I often talk about social media in quite a negative way. But actually, it's given people a voice Mm. as well. So it was very frustrating if there was ever rumours or gossip in the tabloids. And you you couldn't answer back unless you had an interview and you could get it off your chest. But now, you know, you've got an instant line to your fans. So that's one of the positives. Mm, Without a doubt. Put the record straight. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. During that time, I'm imagining that a lot of that pressure also manifested for you in something you've talked about a lot, which was how you were very obsessed with exercising and also controlling what you ate. Was that 
due to the fact that there was such chaos around you that you could actually control that element of life? I think, you know, looking back, I think control is definitely a part of it because I had no control mm. over my life. None of us did. You know, we were on a roller coaster and, and that was it. So that was one thing. And, and the other thing was, you know, some of it was vanity. Of course it was. You know, I was being photographed constantly and you start picking yourself apart. Yeah. And, you know, I think I did as, as a young girl. And, and I trained as a dancer. I went to performing arts college when I was 16. And, and I'd been around people with eating disorders. And I kind of thought, what's that about? You know, it, it, it didn't affect me. And it wasn't until I was in this situation that I, I found myself falling into these traps. So, you know, I've thought about it a lot. You know, why, why did that happen? And it's something else I suffered with towards the end of my first time round with the girls was depression. And I was always a really happy kid. I was always very positive. I was always very confident. And I just thought, oh, I never thought I'd be a person that, that gets depressed. But when, when I was really, really struggling and I was on a family holiday, I think it was, it was around the millennium, actually. And I was away with my, with my mum and my brother. And, and I just didn't want to get out of bed. Mm. And I just was crying all the time. And I was just thinking, what is going on? I'm like, I, I'm going nuts. You know, I, there's something wrong with me. And, and I knew my eating was out of control. And I, you know, I hadn't been eating properly for years. And I'd been a little bit in denial. And I went along to my GP and I just kind of said it all out loud for the first time. And he just said, well the first thing we have to address is your depression. And I'd never considered it. And once it was given a name, and I knew it was something that could be treated and I could be helped with, I was so relieved. It was like this pressure had been lifted off my shoulders. And that was kind of the first day of my recovery, not only for depression, but, you know, my eating and, and other obsessive behaviours. It is such an important, pivotal moment, I think, the first time you say things out loud like that because you can be struggling and feel completely swamped with feelings and then like you've said before have the guilt attached to that of why and whatever and a lot of the time there there is no reason and I in a similar way to you had no idea that I was depressed really when I had a particularly dark patch and again saying it out loud to a doctor and hearing that word part of you goes what and the other part goes Oh, phew. Because it's almost like it's then a separate thing to you. Oh, it's not just me. I haven't done anything wrong. It's something else. And like, like you say, it, it can be treated. And then there are, other, there are ways of you know, moving forward in life and that not being this huge, awful shadow. Everybody describes depression in a very different way. And I think it, it is a very bespoke thing, how it manifests and, and what it feels like to you. Is there any way you can articulate how how that feeling was for you at the time? Well, you know, it's something that once I'd started on my little road of recovery, which took quite a long time, you know, I had a very, very dark time. It was around the, the early noughties. And I would have, you know, the occasional good day and it would be such a relief. And then I realised I was having a couple of good days in a row. And then it got to the point when it was like, oh, I've not had a bad day for a while. And then I had this stretch of just being, feeling like I was just, that's it. It was a moment in time and it's gone. And then I became a mum. I have a beautiful little girl, not that little anymore. But unfortunately, my relationship with her dad broke down. 
and we split up and all through that time all fine all happy all lovely and then about a year later I started to get these feelings again and I was never arrogant enough to think I was cured and it was never going to come back but it was really scary because I think I think when you've had depression and it's been you know something which has you know been a very very difficult time you think it's going to be as bad as that again Mm. you know and you know fortunately I've never gone back to that place and I like to think that I won't because I've learned so much of of how to avoid being in that place and I've learned so much of the reasons why I think I got to that place but I think it's something you have to acknowledge personally for me it's always there it's always in the wings and sometimes it almost gets to center stage but I'm quite good at keeping it to the side mm. but it, it kind of manifests with me um I am a very physical person um something else I've learned about myself you know I've, I've done gym like a lunatic and then I've done no gym and I've and I've tried to find this balance I need to move I need to work out it's part of who I am I'm not fully functioning if I'm not moving and sweating and um so that is very important to me. But when depression hits, I become very heavy, very lethargic. And it's a feeling to me, which is, which is so alien to me, which it doesn't feel like it's my norm, that that's when I know that um, depression is lurking. Yeah, because it, it is a very uh, all-encompassing thing, isn't it? Because I'm the same. I, I haven't had a patch as bad as my initial big lump of blackness um but it does come into play every now and again and again it will be very physical for me or very unphysical you know you can't choose which t-shirt to wear like that basic of oh, i don't even know i don't even know what it happens like, to me every day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what am i gonna wear and then it is just like i can't get out of the house and it is there's just no life it's like the life has been drained from you I, I get this thing as well and I'm sure everyone or lots of people can identify with it it's like there's no joy yeah it's like I can't get excited about things mm. and you know and of course we've all got things in our lives you know I've got an incredible daughter or I've got a holiday booked and I'm just like I just can't get excited about mm, it mm. and it's and then the guilt yeah so like, oh my god I've got this incredible life I'm so lucky I've got everything I ever dreamed of I kind of don't care. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's re- it's horrible. It's horrible. And I you know, I think the wonderful thing that we've seen in the last I don't know how many years would you say decade maybe? Yeah, but I think it, probably only the last two people have been really really, really talking, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. And that's such a positive thing. Yeah. There's been some great mavericks like Stephen Fry or whatever forever talking about it, but it feels like the last two or three people are just... It's becoming much more acceptable to say to your friend or your parents or whoever, I'm feeling crap, or, yeah. you know, and just saying it out loud yeah. rather than feeling, like, alienated and, and weird about it. And that's such a great thing. Yeah, I think it's the, you know, the, the words that we connect with it as well. I think we're all, or, you know, historically, we've all been very frightened of mental health. And we use all those things, don't we? Oh, she's a nutter. Mm. you know she's mental and all that and I do it too and I'm thinking you can't do that you're one of them (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's you know it's changing the the connection to that isn't it because you know we've all got 
all kinds going on inside us all of the time. Mm. I mean, imagine if you were like that. You know, life would be boring. It would. It would. And yeah. also, the, like, the lessons learned from it and, and, and new tangents that you go off on in life as well. So from that point where a doctor had said to you, this is what is happening and, and you know, this is what we can do, where did you begin in that new way of life and thinking, right, this is the situation. I've been told factually what's going on, but I want to feel differently. How, what was the, the first sort of stepping stone for you? Well, personally for me, I mean, I'd got myself into quite a bit of a pickle emotionally and I was at the point and, and I've been here a few times and it's something that does work for a lot of people. Um, and I, I did take antidepressants for about 18 months but alongside that, I had talking therapies as well. But being a pop star, you've got to try it all. So acupuncture is something we share. We do. Like Five Element Love acupuncture. Love so that was something, because um, I, I literally just, I would try anything. Yeah. I just want to feel better. I want to feel normal. Um, I want to be myself again. And, um, yeah, so acupuncture is something I still do today. Because it's like magic, you know. For me, it can cure, you know, it's really helped me with some, you know, quite serious physical, you know, issues. Um, and sometimes it's cured a hangover. <laughs> Lovely. You know, it's just amazing. It is I great, mean, isn't yeah. it? So good. Really good. Um, being here at the Curiosity Rooms is all about um, the ordinary becoming extraordinary. Has, has that been something that you've considered a lot more since that moment of going it is actually just looking for the brilliant bits in normal stuff because obviously your life before was seeped in these extreme highs and a, and a huge roller coaster of dropping off the other edge of that yeah. was that sort of new way of life right let's just look at the, the basic and the normal and and the ordinary in life um i, I don't want to sound like are we allowed to swear on your podcast yeah i don't want to sound like a twat but that's not even a bad swear. <laughs> I had Lena Headey on, who dropped the F-bomb about 30 times. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Don't so you think like... the T-word's bad? I, do. I think any lady's private ones right. are a bit, you know, might be a bit much. Yeah, you can say twat if you like. Twat. Yeah, go for it. I, I've started saying it a bit more recently. I quite like it. Yeah, go for twat. it. Anyway, so actually one of my... F- having children, and you'll also identify with this, because mm. you know when you really want to swear, but you really oh. know you can't, or you shouldn't. Mm. Um, crud. Crud. Bring that word. Isn't it a great word? Crud. Crud. This cruddy whatever you're talking about. Oh, I just go into the next room and swear into a pillow, usually. That's my technique. Yeah, fricking's a good one, isn't it? Fricking. Thank you to the Americans for that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get back on point. Um, What were we talking about? Oh, God. Looking Um, at the ordinary ordinary. in life. The ordinary in life. Okay, so, as I explained, my time with the Spice Girls, late 90s, we really didn't do anything ordinary. So when I integrated or tried to integrate back into society, just little things would be a thrill, like getting the tube. Mm, <laughs> Which sounds, it sounds ridiculous. And, you know, I have friends, you know, I, I have lots of friends in the public eye and some of them can't get the tube. And I feel sorry for them because mm. it's the best way to get around London, isn't it? Let's be Do you get the tube now then? Yeah. <gasps> I'd be well excited if I saw you on the tube. Would you? Yeah. People do this. Oh, look, opportunity to get the phone out again. <laughs> yeah. People go like this. Yeah, a little sneaky I bet one. you get that like, too, don't hey, you? Hey, I can so see you. I went to see um, Florence and the Machine the other night. 
at the O2. Love her. Oh, my God. She was phenomenal. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So my boyfriend, who's somewhere, I was really angry with him because it was a bit of a ticket mix-up. So <laughs> we were getting... We Blame the boyfriend. To, yeah, it was his fault. <laughs> and we were supposed to go for a bit of dinner and then we were going to get the tube to the O2 because we live North London and it's a nightmare getting to the O2. Anyway... We were on the tube, and I was eating on the tube, being photographed. Wow! That wasn't the plan. Wow! What Didn't were end you up eating? in the mail, so it's all right. Well, it was it was it was good. It was, was it healthy. a stinky meal because that's was, not acceptable. No, 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 no. It was okay. it wasn't a macadies or anything. It was right. um, it was a gale salad. Oh, I've changed. So many classes, <laughs> isn't it? Civilized. <laughs> Um, so going back into the integration part of your life, because it's very interesting because not many people will have been through it to the extent that you have, where you are sort of taken out of normal life and you know, you're not going on the tube, you're not posting your own mail. Do you even send mail at that point? Probably not. How did you begin? Oh, now well, do you send mail? Oh, I love sending letters. Don't you do little letters to people? Oh, I do. Some people in the front do. Um, I love sending letters. But just normal, like going to the supermarket, things like that, you just wouldn't have had to do any of that. You know, I think, actually, when I look back, when we were home, which wasn't very often, I did use... Because I do like picking my produce. Mm. You know, I like giving the fruit a bit of a squeeze. So that was something... And it was before Ricardo. Wow. Imagine life before... Yeah, yeah. Way back. back. So, yeah, I mean, I did do a little bit of that, but it was always a bit of a thrill. And I I think (laughs) it's so funny, isn't it? Now it's becoming a bit of a pain in the arse and I just want to show for again. Well, this is it because before, obviously, but this is it because you do... When you're really busy like that, you crave normality and you crave, oh, I just wish I was at home or I just wish I was doing normal things. And then when you've got it, a bit of you goes, oh, my God, but wait... It's all that's gone, is it? And that, that excitement, that adrenaline rush, that must have been peculiar to be in that circumstance. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's like everyone and everything. The grass is always greener, isn't yeah. it? It's like you go out on tour and you're like, oh, I miss home, I want to go home. And then you go home and you go, oh, I really want to go on tour. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's just life, isn't it? Also, when the, the band split up, did you actually then have the opportunity to sit back and digest what you had done throughout those years? Because when you're on that bizarre ferris wheel there's no time to stop and go wow we just played Wembley you're you're on to the next thing so did you sort of have like this huge surge of wow you know we've look where we came from and what we've done that must have been magnificent I think we were so busy I think that's why we we all of us have forgotten certain bits because so much happens in, in really such a short space of time what personally what happened for me we all had our own little journeys but I I hadn't addressed my issues yeah. when we stopped working together. So the first little kind of hiatus we had was when um, Melanie and Victoria were pregnant. Um, so we had a, like a natural break there. And I decided to start a solo record. And I think, you know, part of me was I did want to get into the studio on my own. There was lots of things I wanted to express as an individual. And I, but part of it was I was running away from the truth I knew I had things to address and I didn't want to so continuing to work stopped me from doing that and you know I was I was really lucky that my first album was very successful and that kept me very busy but my thank gosh you know my my body and my and my soul had other ideas and it had enough so I kind of was you know dealing with all of the, like, the kind of crash of everything that had gone before during promoting a very successful album. And how did you get through that? Just by 
not thinking, just suppressing it again and just yeah. doing the work. It, it, it was pretty hideous, actually, if I think back, because th- there was literally days when I, I did not want to leave the house. You know, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was really in bits. And, you know, you ha- and, and also, I, I hate letting people down. I do have a terrible problems, issues with guilt. Mm. And, and I'm a good girl, and I like to, to do the right thing. And... I, I, you know, I continued to do everything and, I, and it was hard and sometimes I'd be in a dressing room, you know, crying and then, of course, you know, okay, we need you on stage and you go out and then, you know, as I, we, we had this little switch. I used to have like this thing on us, I go, bing, you know, and you're on and mm. I know you, I think all performers have to have yeah. that because sometimes you feel shit. Yeah, of course. And sometimes yeah. you hate people. Mm. Sometimes you don't want to be nice, <laughs> but you got to be. you got no choice. I do. Now I've got this called Happy Place. I can't be miserable, can no. I anymore? I'm not allowed. It's not on brand. It's not on brand, <laughs> Melanie, at all. Um, how did, um motherhood change your perspective because so around the early noughties that's when you had your bad bad patch at what point did you have your daughter i my little girl was born in 2009 okay so you had a, a lot yeah, of time after good. that so, okay yeah so how did motherhood change your perspective on life first of all well i think the statistics are if you have suffered with depression you're more likely to maybe get postnatal depression mm-hmm. so that was something which i was quite nervous about but I was really lucky because from the minute I became pregnant and I knew I was pregnant, I changed immediately. And I think this is something that, you know, this is my observation through being a mum. I think for women, as soon as you become pregnant, you become a mother. Mm. And I think it's much more difficult for men because, you know, their lives don't have to change immediately. You know, we have to stop drinking. Ugh. Mm. And, you know, you can't eat raw fish. What? Mm, don't you like know. it anyway. <laughs> but, the, you know, there's all of these things. What you do, you have a responsibility instantly. And he doesn't really till it turns up, you know. And then sometimes even when it turns up, he's <laughs> not that bothered. But, um, no, it was a very positive change for me. And I, I, there's two things that happened to me in my life physically that really changed the way I felt about myself and my body because I've been very harsh and very critical about my body all of my life, really. And I had a very bad knee injury. I think it was 2003. I ruptured my cruciate ligament. And I couldn't walk for a few months. And it was, the recovery was really hard. It was really painful. And it was quite scary because I didn't know how much mobility I would get back. And when I looked down at my withered little leg um, after the operation, I just, I kind of vowed to myself that I would never be that harsh on my body again. And then when I became pregnant and then I had my beautiful little girl who is perfect. Well, she's not, but she is to me. And at times. And um, I just thought, wow, I am amazing. Look at what. I've done luck at what this body has done. Mm. And, yeah, so, of course, you know, there are difficult times and ups and downs, and, you know, we all have things we have to deal with. But since I had her, literally, she is the making of me. She has made me a better person. She's made me stronger. I feel like she's my teacher. Mm. You know, even when... I might get a bit graphic now. Sorry if there's any dudes in the room who are a bit uncomfortable. But after I had her and, and I had a very difficult birth, um, and I was in the recovery room and, and she was brought into me and she latched on immediately and she stayed there for about two hours. And she just knew what to do. Oh, I, isn't that the most brilliant, oh my God. bizarre yeah. moment? So it was yeah. like, 
I, and I feel like she is still teaching me. Oh, of course, I am her teacher. I have this responsibility, but I have to stop and listen because she's teaching me mm. so much. Going back to um, one of those profound physical moments for you where you thought, wow, I'm amazing. Isn't it funny how we're all so awful to ourselves and we're so bad at celebrating ourselves, especially British people? Yeah. We are awful at it. Yeah. We're like, oh, we can't be nice about ourselves or, se- or take a compliment or, or, you know, big ourselves up. We find it excruciating, yet it is so important to have that acceptance of oneself and go, yeah, I think that's really brilliant that my body just did that. Or even if it is something you did at work or uh, gestured to a friend or whatever, that you actually celebrate those moments. And it's quite hard to do it, but it's something we all probably need to get a lot better at. I like to think that we are raising a generation of, you know, personally for me, obviously I have a daughter, so a generation of women or a generation of children who are better at that. Mm. Because I actually, I went into a school um, last week. I went to Hornsey School for Girls. Uh, they're doing an, an amazing project with War Child. And the, the girls, the class, they were around 16, 15, 16 years old. And they were incredible. And I just get this feeling that there is a generation which... They do have their pressures. Mm. There are different pressures to when I was a kid, I know that. But they feel more savvy and they feel more confident. And and I really hope I'm not being overly optimistic. I feel like the future is bright when I look at this, you know, new generation of young girls coming up. Um, Which, you know, leads us, we have to talk about this, girl power. You know, you guys invented the term... Oh, the pig's fingers are out. <laughs> and, um, and it did feel so exciting when, when you guys started batting that about. It felt like, yeah, that's something that it's I... It's in the dictionary. Yeah, insane, amazing. How mad is that? So being a mum to a daughter, what does that mean to you? How do you translate that to her? And how do you want her to go into the world being a female? I, um, I, you asked me a question and I, and I just take it somewhere else. I'm so sorry. It's I must all good. So annoying to interview. <laughs> Being a Spice Girl is the best thing in the world. And it has got better and better as time has gone on because the Spice Girls fans, first time round, you know, some of them were as young as four. So now they're all grown up and I meet them all the time, you know, whether it's at work with journalists and DJs or in the street, in a shop. I meet Spice Girls fans on a daily basis and I have met the most incredible people and people say to me and the other girls all the time, you inspired me. I started my own business or I wanted to be a singer and I'm following in your footsteps and it was you girls that, you know, first inspired me to do that. And can you imagine how that feels? It's amazing. I And I I feel like, you know, myself and the other girls, you know, we're coming back round, and there's many reasons why we want to do it. One of them being, we're not getting any younger, (laughs) as my dad reminded me. Yeah. But also, it just feels like it's time. It's time to really celebrate that. And it's really time to celebrate women, and not only women, but equality. And I feel like my little girl is just kind of, I want to say permeated. Is that the word? I feel like it's just there. It's just in her. Yeah. And she has so much girl power mm. that she's got more girl power than I've ever had. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? By osmosis, it's in there. I think she's so. I think that's what it is. Yeah. You can't escape it. No way. Yeah. No way. But that's lovely to sort you know, and like you say, we all see the younger generation being very sort of savvy and understanding this language without even having to articulate it. They're just going into the world and 
the sort of hopefully the whole debate about equality won't have to happen at some point. You know, also, I guess we are in somewhat of a bubble in this country because, you know, we are treated more equally than other parts of the world. But it's, of course, getting that out globally, which you guys have been, you know, doing for a long time. That's so, so important and amazing. Going into the future and back to the Spice Girls and knowing you've got these huge stadiums that you're playing. All right. Making me nervous. It's a, it's a fact. Um, <laughs> how will you approach it differently to before? Will it, will it feel different to you? Will you have different rules that you'll set yourself to keep you know, feeling good mentally throughout the highs and possibly the lows? I'm going to be visiting my therapist a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think you know, one of the, the most obvious things is we are a lot older, you know, and it's a very physical show. And I've continued to perform over the years. And it's so important, you know, we know that people have worked really hard to earn the money to afford the tickets to come and see the show. So we want to put on a really good show. And, yeah, so physically I'm going to be really taking care of myself, which, I, I, I mean, I tend to do anyway because it's, well, being in the public eye, you kind of feel like you got it. And because of, just from my mental health as well, it, it really helps with that. So, yeah, looking after myself, trying to get enough sleep, which for mummies is tough. Impossible. Yep. My daughter's got croup right now. I've had approximately 40 minutes sleep in the last three days. Just well, how amazing to be able to function on so little sleep. Aren't this we amazing? the only bit of the day that I've been functioning, let me tell you. I will go back to non-functionality straight after this. Well, it's that adrenaline, isn't it? It, it just adrenaline. Like, gets you through everything. Exactly. Oh, hello. What's that? Is that, is that That's your car, your chauffeur's here. He's <laughs> your own, Melanie. Yes, I've got my chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so looking after the old physical side, yeah, and the mental health side. And, you know, and I do see a therapist, and talking is important. And I'm so, so pleased that people are talking more. And I think as well, you know, when I look back, you know, my, my parents, and I'm very close to my mum, but I just think the generation before us and the generation before that, there wasn't enough talking yeah. that went on you know real feelings weren't always spoken about and you know thank goodness we're able to, to do that now I know it's a joy isn't it yeah. and looking at how tough you were on yourself when the Spice Girls were at the peak of their fame would you say that you like yourself a lot more these days because that's a hard thing for us to all do as well I'm sure you'd all feel the same in the audience and everyone listening it can be really hard to like yourself. You know, I beat myself up all the time about things that I've done wrong, things I could have done better, or whatever it might be. And just going, oh yeah, today, I like myself, can be such a huge mountain to climb. You know, I, I think... I, I kind of... I think I always liked myself. But people put doubt in my mind. Mm. And I think it's just being okay with... People, not, other people not liking you is the important thing. Mm. And nobody's perfect. That's a really interesting thought because we do so often conflate the information that others tell us to stuff that was pre-existing in our heads or just set that we believe. And then we forget, wait, that wasn't even me that thought that in the first place. That was someone else. But you do take things on board and mm. they become your own. And that's tricky, tricky ground, I guess, that yeah. one. But yeah, and, the, and then there's triggers as well. You know, personally, yeah. for me, obviously... The last time around with the Spice Girls, you know, towards the end of that, I had a very difficult time personally. So going back into that environment, I've had a lot of anxiety. Mm. You know, I've, I've had to really think about why am I feeling this way? You know, am I putting myself in a dangerous environment? Am I going to get sick again? And, you know, I, I've had some wobbles and I've had to go, no, I've grown. 
you know, I'm a lot older, we're all a lot older, I have a gorgeous daughter, and, you know, just to remember, because we can, we can fall back into old habits, yeah. it's very easy, um, but yeah, just, just to acknowledge it, I think acknowledging is so important, yeah. you know, when you're really, really angry, because I'm not very good, I hate confrontation, so sometimes someone can really piss me off, but I can't tell him. And it just festers inside you. And I think even if you... Somebody said to me, even if you can't express it to the person, just write it down. Mm. Write it down and then burn it. Yeah. But at least you're getting it out of your system. Absolutely. That is a very wise tip. Um, Well, we're all so excited that you're doing your tour next year. And I will hit you up for tickets. Um, Before we go, we are going to take a group selfie. I'm going to get you all in. So let's. That's a feature on my new phone. So I'm just gonna. This could be disastrous, but that's it. Do your hair. Do your hair. Everyone's touching their hair. Everyone in the room is touching their hair. Okay, I'm gonna do a three, two, one, so that you all put your best face on. Three, two, one. Oh, they smashed it. Um, thank you so much for coming along today. Really appreciate it. Lovely to see your faces. Thank you to Melanie C. Thank you. Thanks again to the gorgeous Melanie C for popping by. What a treat. Discover more episodes of Happy Place when you subscribe. You can do that through any podcast app. It's free to download and you have plenty of episodes to choose from. And next week, we meet Paula Bell. I'm grieving for Rob, but what does this mean for my life? Because... I could let this completely break my life and shatter it, or I can look at what I need to do to be able to heal and recover from it. A massive thanks again to the lovely Melanie C, to the sponsors of this episode, the Google Pixel 3, to the producer Lucy Dearlove at Rethink Audio, and of course to you lovely lot for listening. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. 